Welcome to Life Snacks. This is a podcast on a mission to help a woman navigate post-grad life together through snack-sized stories, but life-changing advice. This is for every one of us out there dealing with the realities of life after college that no one talks about. For those of you that may be feeling lost, you are not alone. Join me on this journey to get to the bottom of the shit we weren't taught in school. We'll discuss health, wealth, relationships, careers, and how to truly create our greatest lives. We've got big visions and big missions, so we're breaking them down bite by bite to help you make your postgrad dreams a reality. I'm your host, Lauren Tierney, and let's get snacking. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. I hope you all had a fabulous Halloween weekend and Because it's Tuesday now, I hope you're recovered by then. We're not dealing with any three-day hangovers. Um, I've been there, though, so if you are, prayers to you. Godspeed. Wednesday's going to be a better day. But getting into today's episode, I am just so excited to share this conversation with you. Today, I sit down with Lindsay Metzlar. Some of you may know her from the We Met at Acme podcast, a very popular dating podcast. She also hosts the account on Instagram at Don't Expect Salads, where she posts delicious food content. And Lindsay is really just the queen of dating advice. And honestly, her podcast has evolved into so much more than that. In this conversation today, I tried to make it a little different than what Lindsay is normally asked on most podcasts. I think a lot of times she's asked just a lot of dating questions or podcast hosts have her on and have their listeners send in their dating questions. And of course, we did talk about dating. We talked about her golden rules for dating, um, kind of where she's at in her life. But we also talked about just how to be successful in navigating life in your 20s and really what is such a transitional period of your life. Lindsay talks about how to find the career that's meant for you and really how to tap into your interests. She also shares very openly about her sobriety and how she went from the days of her early 20s to where she partied a lot and where she's at now in life and what peace that's brought her. It was such a beautiful conversation about how to evolve in your 20s, but also like take the fucking pressure off and give up on your timeline and why those things don't matter that we place on this timeline that literally means nothing. I know what made this conversation so valuable for me and what will be so valuable for you is because Lindsay is a no bullshit gal. Like she just gives it to you straight. And I think we don't hear the type of advice she gives enough these days. That's what makes Lindsay so successful and that's what makes her podcast so successful. She just has a different way of sharing advice and asking questions and I really just think she brings so much value to this conversation. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Lindsay Metzler. Hi Lindsay, welcome to Life Snacks. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And I have to ask you the most important questions first, which is what is your favorite snack right now? And what was your favorite childhood snack? Love this question. (laughs) I, 
I have so many favorite snacks, I have to tell you, but my favorite snack right now is probably chocolate pretzels. Ooh, yeah. I'm like dead. Like dark chocolate pretzels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like this brand. It's like Vermont nut free. Um, it's just so good. And then, um, my childhood snack, I loved goldfish. Like I was oh my obsessed, God. Yes. I literally grew up on goldfish. I was just like original or Parmesan. I love the Parmesan ones. And now whenever I love, have them, mm-hmm. oh, so good. Amazing. I love the cheddar. I also love the pretzel. Mm-hmm. And then I also love the like cracker goldfish too. Yeah. And if you're just so much salt, it's amazing. They're, they're so good. When I have them, I feel like it's such a throwback to childhood because like you never would, at least now I'm never like at the store, like, Oh, let me grab those goldfish, but they're so freaking good. So good beyond. All right, Lindsay. Well, can you introduce yourself to our listeners that might not know you and let us know when you graduated from college, what did you think you were going to pursue as your career? And what do you actually do today? So when I graduated from college, I had majored in film and television in the communication school at Boston University. And I thought that I was going to be in the film world and be a screenwriter and move to L.A. and everything changed. And social media became a thing when I graduated. Instagram started to become something. And so I realized that I had a knack for social media. I had had a big Twitter account at the time. And I was like, if I could turn this into a career instead, that seems like it's just something I'm better doing. Um, And so I started to do social media management and um, run like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook for brands. And then it wasn't until I turned 27 that I decided to uh, step into the podcasting world. So when you were in your first jobs, you just kind of saw this power behind social media when the influencer world really didn't exist. Can you kind of talk about what that looked like? Yeah. So it just like, like the pre pre influencer world for yeah, Instagram. Like when you had your Twitter account, I'm sure you, it sounds like you were very much ahead of the curve on those things. Like what did the, it, the landscape look like then? And really how has it evolved now? It's so funny because when Instagram first became a thing, it was literally a fo- like a photography app. Mm-hmm. It was all about making your photos like black and white and have filters and no one ever thought about it as like a way to actually gain like a following and things like that. Um, it was funny because from the moment I started having an Instagram, like I was public. Um, and I remember friends being like, why is your Instagram public? Like this was even before, like it was a thing. And I was yeah. like, I don't know. Cause like, who cares? <laughs> I also, I also didn't think that like anyone was on Instagram except for like my 40 friends. Yeah. You're like, like who yeah, cares I, about my filtered black and white photo? Exactly. I was getting like 10 <laughs> likes and like, I would post an Instagram and then use that photo for like a Facebook post. Um, and it's just so funny how like the tables have turned. So yeah, there was no, there was no such thing as like an influencer at the time. Um, and there was no way to find those people on Instagram. Mm -hmm. The only people you could have found are like the people that you were friends with or their friends of friends. And you have 
your We Met at Acme podcast and that account, which is very famous for its polls and everything you share about the dating world. And you also have the Don't Expect Salads account, which is like wildly delicious food in New York. Which account came first? Don't Expect Salads actually came first. That was around 2013. So it was when Instagram was starting to become more than a photography app. And people started posting their food to their Instagrams and, you know, what they were eating and what they were doing. And I remember I got a comment being like, can you just start a food account? Like, I don't want to see everything you eat. Um, And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I will. Um, At the time, like I didn't have anything else going on. I was just new in the working world. And I had the time to go, you know, eat at these places and take pictures And so I just started posting my food photos and infatuation, which is like a big food brand. Now they were just starting out and they had this hashtag called eats. And it was Mm -hmm. like five E's. It's like the five E's one. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Exactly. And so I started hashtagging eats with all my photos and because hashtags were so like new, Mm people saw them more. And I think that's how I got like the exposure from it. So transitioning a little bit to you and your podcast, we met at Acme when, so you started that podcast four years ago. Is that correct? It will be four years in October, which is well, October 17th, I think is the birthday, um, which is crazy. It's, it's so soon. It's like right around the corner. And what brought you to starting that podcast? So I had always, I've always just been such a curious person when it comes to dating and relationships and like how people met and why, and what keeps them together. And, um, and so for me, I having these conversations with people that are uncomfortable, maybe for them about their dating lives has always been my thing. Like I'm the person at a dinner party. that's like, Oh, so how did you guys meet? Oh, that's so cool. Like, how do you, you know, when was your last relationship? And so this podcast or like turning it into a podcast kind of gave me like a platform to get away with asking those kinds of questions. I actually initially started it because I was like recently single and just dumped out of the blue. And I was like, I bet that people can relate to problems that I'm having um, as a millennial dater. And and luckily people did. Absolutely. I feel like your podcast rules and the things you share are things like that are circulated in my friend group today. Like my, one of my best friends, Emma is like your number one fan. I have to give her a shout out because she's like, always will go by advice. I feel like, or things she's heard at we met Acme are on your podcast. And I'd love if you could share some of like those dating rules and advice that you share. Yeah. Well, first of all, shout out to Emma. We yeah. love you. She's the best. She um, watches the polls in bed with her now boyfriend every morning oh my and they God. vote together. That makes me so happy. It's honestly, it's a great way to like get to get closer in your relationship and like to get clarity on what you guys think about certain things. Um, but the, I just blanked on the question. Cause I got so into the Emma thing. Oh, the question was, Oh, your golden rules of dating. Okay. Golden rules. So the rules are, and these are all highlighted on our Instagram for anyone listening. Um, no more than two drinks on a first date. Don't sleep with them on a first date. 
And again, like I always have to clarify this one because it's very controversial, but this isn't like a slut shaming thing. It's like not an anti-sex, not sex positive. It's just like, it's way more fun to wait. It's just truly more fun. Um, and to build like sexual tension and, um, don't send them a thank you text (laughs) after the date because you already thanked them on the date. And then we're going (laughs) to, we're going to go back a little bit to before the date, right? If they haven't confirmed the date before like 2 PM, the day of the date, like you're not free anymore because like they, your time is valuable and they need to confirm the date and not just like show up and assume that you'll be there. Um, and then now going back forward. So no, thank you text after the date not really a lot of initiating conversations, like let them pursue you. Um, and then keep dating other people until you're official with this person. Like you don't owe them your whole loyalty until they have like formally asked you to be their girlfriend. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one too. I think I heard you talking about, I don't think this is one of the main rules, but I loved it. It was like, always offer to pay, but like, you should never pay. Exactly. I, I heard offer. someone reference it as like the pump fake. And like, I heard a guy say it once. He's like, a girl should always pump fake, but like, I'm going to pay. Exactly. And like, guy, like real men know that they're going to pay, but that it's also respectful to offer. Like I would never sit there on a date and be like, thank you so much yeah. for taking out. No, like you have to offer. It's a mutual experience and you have to at least show that like you're willing and grateful. So what would you say to young women who are like, maybe just moved to a new city, graduated from school in the first few years of their career and are like on that road of like every other night on a hinge date, really trying to find their person, but then constantly feeling left out, like let down or just like disappointed and alone because I think something about the post-grad world that people don't talk about is like, you really have to get comfortable with yourself and being alone Mm. and being able to be alone. And I think especially in college, we're surrounded by people all the time. And then you're in the world and you're like, oh shit, like I'm really doing this. So can you kind of talk about your thoughts on when you're first dating and maybe just exploring like the dating world and advice around that? Yeah, I agree completely with you and what you said about being alone and being comfortable alone. I don't think that happened for me until I was like much older, like maybe 27, 28. Um, And it's, it's really hard, especially because you transition from like partying every night in college to like that not being as normal in real life. But like boyfriend, I just said that we were like, how did I used to go out so much? Like we have dinner plans, like two nights this weekend. And I'm like, we like, how did I used to do that? I I don't, it's it's crazy, but you know, some people don't do that transition well. So they'll go straight from going out in college to going out in the real world. And like, they'll experience a lot of burnout, but I would say, um, you know, making that transition, the most important thing is, figuring out like your schedule, because then you feel really lost. Like I remember when I first graduated, I had like, I didn't have like a consistent job necessarily. Like I was like, always like, sometimes I was like temping, like I was still figuring out my job. Yeah. And my friends like were going to work like every day and they were tired by the end of the day. And I wanted to hang out. 
Mm-hmm. And like you end up kind of being that odd person out if you don't have your own routine, your own schedule. And maybe that means like starting to do workouts and like having a workout every morning or, you know, making regular plans with people. But I think the easiest way to like feel lost, especially in the city post-grad is like not having your own schedule that you stick to and kind of just wanted to hang out with your friends all the time. Yeah. I feel like that's such a part of the transition, right? Because it's kind of like, you're an adult in the world, but you're still in that like college mindset and it's hard to grapple with that. And I think something that I thought was funny, someone was like, yeah, when you graduate, it's like everyone just has is making money and is like still a kid. So a lot of times people are still in that, like going out time. I'd love to ask you, you talk a lot about doing the self-work and really like getting to know yourself and the value you bring to the relationship. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something a lot of people overlook or like they go on a date and they're like, fuck, I hope he likes me. And I'm like, did you like him? Like, right. And can you just share a little bit about what you mean by doing that self-work? Mm-hmm. I think for me, it included therapy. Like if I didn't go to therapy when I was 23, I just would have no idea like who I was and how I affected people and what was right for me. So that for me was very much my self-work. And then I also think just like I spent so much time like getting fucked up and like getting high and getting drunk and like escaping from like who I actually was and what I wanted to do with my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I really thought that like it was like just being out of it and partying and like that was like cool. So I think self-work is just like like stripping yourself of these like crutches and like getting and like clutches rather, and like getting to know yourself and like what you want to do with your life and who you are and, um, like how you affect people. And just like, that's for me, what I mean by self-work. You just brought up something that's like what we always talk about on this podcast and it's knowing what you want to do with your life. Mm -hmm. Um, when did you really start to get clear on those things and how would you advise someone that's like, I don't know what job I want. Like I look at jobs all day on LinkedIn and they all look like, like shit. Like I think so many young people are in that place and we have this world that glamorizes, like find your passion, pursue like your dreams. And what if people are like, I I'm not passionate. I like to go meet my friends for happy hour. What would you tell them? I would say like, there's a difference between what you're good at and what you want to do with your life. Um, like for me, I was good at social media but what I wanted to do was like, like reach people and help people. Um, and so like, that's when the podcast came along. And I think that you just have to think about like what you love to do when you're not working. Um, and like, maybe that's like watching TV and like, maybe that's not something you can make into a career. Um, but maybe it's like, you look at like real estate all day, every day. And like, you're fascinated by real estate, but you have like a desk job, like then go out and get a real estate license Mm -hmm. and like be a real, like, if you really love that, you know, it's like, you have to get in touch with what makes you really happy. Like my, my fiance loves watching YouTube videos and like, I'm always like, maybe you should work at YouTube, you know, like, it's like, it's, it's just like little things like that. And it's like finding what really makes you happy when you're not working at all going on like passions and what you enjoy with your podcast, like when that kind of just started taking off, were you 
immediately like, wow, I think this is like my thing or how has like those conversations you've been having on there evolved over the years? I think the conversations really started where it was like way more about me and like my dating and like going out on dates and how Mm -hmm. that was going and just like my dating life. And then it's since expanded to like all kinds of dating other, like mostly other people's dating lives and dating situations. And, um, and I've just learned so much about how everybody looks at relationships. And, and so it's definitely, um, it's changed throughout the years. And like, I've changed throughout the years. Like there's some people who will be like, Oh my God, you're dating advice. Like it's, it wasn't the same two years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I'd hope it wasn't. Yeah. People change. That's the point. Exactly. Like I learned this. And now that I know this, I'm sharing this with you. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. Do you feel like you've always felt comfortable sharing so openly on social media? I know you talk about therapy, you talk about sobriety, you talk about relationships, like you show up very authentically from just a follower standpoint. Has that ever been something that made you nervous in the beginning? A little bit, but I think the way that you can really like touch people and connect with people is by being vulnerable like that. Um, I feel like there was a time where I was talking about like the positives about my relationship. And I was actually, because like people are so used to me being so open, they were like, you're saying your relationship is perfect. Like, where's like this, where's the part of you that's like going to tell us the truth. And I'm like, well, actually at this moment, my relationship is perfect, but like, well, we're going to fight. Don't worry. You know? Yeah. And so I think like my followers are just like, so used to me sharing like the good, the bad and the ugly that like, they're like used to it and they want it. And, and I get that because like, as someone who, like, if I were following anyone, I would want to hear everything that they're going through and everything about their lives. So. So when you were dating, I know you're engaged now, congratulations, but how did the podcast and everything you share, like impact your dating life where guys like, Oh, are you going to talk about me on your podcast? Like, what was that like? all the time. And I was like, don't chew your own horn. Like you are not interesting enough to be talked about in this podcast, especially now that you're saying that, like, um, there were some guys I dated that were really not okay with me talking about my own dating life. And that was not a guy for me. Like that was like an insecure, um, you know, controlling guy. And like, it's not like they didn't know what they were getting into when they started dating me. So like for anyone to come into that and then try to like change me or or like that wouldn't have been the person for me to begin with. Um, So I think the right guy, like obviously really loves the fact that I am like this and open, but of course there is a degree of like, I have to ask my fiance, like, is it okay if I share this, this and this? Um, But like at this point, I kind of know what he would be okay with and wouldn't be okay with. So I kind of just do my thing. You just said the right guy. So let's talk about that. Like, I think so many people have like this picture of the guy they want. And then it's like, I, at least from my friend own friends dating stories, it's like, does he meet my boxes or like, am I just being too picky? Like, what is your thought? Should he check your boxes or should you lower your stand? Like, I don't want to say lower your standards, but should you be like more flexible and open? How do you view that or advise people around that when it comes to dating? I think he should check your boxes. Um, or sorry, sorry. I think, I don't think 
it boxes matter. I think it's really about how they make you feel, but there's some boxes that do matter. So for example, there's like need boxes versus want boxes and they should check your need boxes for sure. Um, but your want boxes are just like not that important. So like if something that you need is somebody that, um, I don't know, maybe you have like IBS and like, you need someone who understands and like, is okay with pooping. Like, (laughs) I know that sounds silly, but like, that's like a need, you know, like you shouldn't compromise that. Um, but you want someone who's like over six, one and like (laughs) they're five, 10, like you can get over that. Um, but I think ultimately, and like what ended up working out for me is like, maybe I might've had these like check boxes, but I ended up getting somebody who has like every single checkbox and an amazing personality. And that's because like, I didn't focus on the checked boxes, you know, like I focused on the personality. So I think people who have this checklist, like are just shooting themselves in the foot most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just laughing because you said IBS and I was actually dying. I think it was yesterday at your story. You're like, you guys don't yes. fart in front of your significant other. And it was insane. So funny. Cause I'm still like shook from that. Yeah. You were like, guys, seriously, like your stomach problems. And I just was dying. I was watching it in bed and I was laughing out loud. Concerning, concerning. So, so let's, concerning. let's talk about those polls. Like, is there any polls you get that you feel uncomfortable posting or do you post everything or like what have been some of the biggest like 50 50 split polls like they're so interesting i hate posting polls that the obvious the answer is so obvious like it's like my boyfriend cheated on me three times but like he told me he's gonna change like believe him question mark and it's like no like, I'm do you believe posting. yourself typing that yeah like no But the close ones are the ones that really make you think. And we actually have a highlight on like, it'll say it says good polls and it's Mm -hmm. polls that polls that are really close. Um, It's like things, it's more philosophical questions. Like, would you rather cheat or be cheated on? Um, You know, like, and then like, make like silly ones. Like, should you follow their sibling first or should they follow you first? Like things like that. Um, Or the answer is just not so cut and dry. Yeah. I feel like, those are thought provoking ones and just like funny ones, especially with following on Instagram. Like I have a friend who didn't follow her boyfriend on Instagram, I think for like six months and now they're dating. Oh. But it's like, it was like, well, he never followed me. I'm like, maybe he's just not like a social media person. Yeah, it's so funny. I would like literally think that was a red flag. So that's an interesting one. Yeah. I feel like the social media stuff is funny. I want to transition a little bit to just talk about your sobriety. And I know you're super open about it. And I just kind of love to touch on like the culture that I think people my age are in, in their earlier twenties or mid twenties, like everything seems to revolve around partying or like drinking. Mm. And how have you like grown authentic friendships or how did your friendships really shift when you decided to get sober? And like, what advice do you have around like really channeling those authentic friendships? I think like my, so my sobriety kind of began just because it was, I was in a place where, you know, similar to people who graduate, like I didn't transition well. I went from like smoking weed every day in college to like doing it in real life. Um, and not, and like, you know, because I had always had a career that I could make my own schedule, like I could always be doing that. 
Um, and then I decided that, you know, it was unmanageable and I had to do something about it. And my friendships that were about sitting around and smoking weed together definitely started dwindling. And, um, you know, those people are still in my life because they're close friends, but it made me realize like, what have I been doing with my time? Just like sitting around, like either getting drunk or getting high with these people, but like, where has our friendship been? Like, we haven't been like actually connecting, you know? And so I think it really made me focus on the friendships where it had nothing to do with those things. And, um, that was really like good for me ultimately. And, and like knowing who is like my person. Did you feel like you found like, I mean, you must have obviously, but like a big, you obviously had a big sense of clarity from becoming sober. What do you think were the biggest revelations you had with your career and your personal life and like the things you really were able to do because of that? I think I felt like this sense of freedom once I got sober. Like I didn't need anything to make myself happy and I didn't need anything to like, you know, how people will show up to dinner and they're like, Oh my God, this week was terrible. I need a glass of wine. Yeah. Like I didn't need that. Um, you know, once I got sober and like stuck to it, I was able to like self soothe and get myself out of these like stressful moods without turning to wine or a joint. And, um, that was like crazy for me. That was just, you know, it really changed like my perspective on like being able to like enjoy life more. Like I could travel to wherever I wanted and not need like a drink when I land or to find like a weed dealer. Um, and it sounds so silly, but like that was a priority to me at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like you said, it's, you're kind of, you, you're forced to probably sit in those motions when you don't have those things to turn to. So you have no choice, but to like learn how to handle them. And I think that's probably like a very empowering thing. I want to talk about going out sober. I feel like at least from social media, you go out to dinner a lot, you are doing things socially a lot. How was that getting used to? And like, what advice do you have for someone, whether they're sober or they're just like, I want to go out tonight. I don't want to drink. I don't want people to think I'm lame for not drinking, which is a whole nother like friend problem. Right. But like, I also just want to feel comfortable who I am and being able to like stay out at the bar and have a good time. Yeah. I think for me going out, like, because I'm an extrovert naturally, I never needed that drink to like come out of my shell. Um, I never needed that drink to like get up on the dance floor. And so the transition to going out without a drink was honestly also freeing because like when you go out, you notice that like the majority of the night is spent at the bar trying to get another yeah, trying drink. to like throw elbows for a drink. Exactly. And like when you're not doing that, like you're just on the dance floor, like living your best life. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that transition was easy for me. But I always say like, if you're gonna, if you're newly sober and you're going out, like you better go somewhere where the music is good and the mm-hmm. vibes are good because nice. otherwise it's just going to be lame and you're just going to want to leave. Was there any time that you like didn't go out at all or and, like didn't socialize or were you still someone that like fed off that extroverted energy and still enjoyed being with people? I had some trouble when I first got sober 
because it was like around the holidays, I got sober October 30th. And then it was like very quickly Thanksgiving and Christmas. And like, those are all and new year's and those are all like drinking related times. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, I don't want to go to these like friends givings where like, we're like playing drinking games. Like yeah. what am I going to do there? Um, so it, there were moments that I either left early or just like avoided something altogether at first. Um, but then, you know, now when like I go to a friend's giving, like someone's like, I, I brought like, I got Diet Coke for you. And, and like, everyone knows. And it's so like sweet and, um, and like comforting. And so I don't feel like I have to explain myself anymore, but I think that the beginning of doing that can be more difficult. Absolutely. I can imagine that. And I love the idea of like good music. Cause that's so true. I feel like sometimes my, your best nights when you're out, you like give up on going to the bar because you're just like, we were just dancing all night. Like that's what you end up remembering because if the music's good, it's just like a good time regardless. Exactly. I love that. When you were in your mid and early twenties kind of transitioning, but I feel like everyone is like trying to get it all figured out. I'm trying to get the job. I'm trying to get the career. I'm trying to pay my goddamn credit card bill every month, like whatever it is. Did you feel like you were struggling with all those same things? And do you feel like you have it figured out now? Or like looking back, what are your thoughts? I was totally struggling. I don't even think I had a credit card until like a few years ago. Cause I didn't even know how to do it. I had bad credit. <laughs> I, my job sucked. I was never getting paid enough. I had to chase people down for paychecks because I was an independent contractor. And it was just like, it was like always a struggle. And I think anyone who says they don't struggle in their early twenties, like either is like sitting on an inheritance or <laughs> lying. True. Um, and so it's always a struggle. And then I only felt like I really became like independent financially and emotionally and all the, you know, independence when I was like 28, maybe 27 into 28. Um, and it's, it can be like, you know, embarrassing. Cause you think about like our parents who like, you know, left the house at 18 and like, oh had, like, like I had two kids. Yeah. Literally two kids in like a one bedroom apartment and we made it work and we always had food on the table. And it's like, I have no idea how you, how you did that, but, um, it happens a little later now, I think. And that's okay. So funny you say that. Cause I feel like that's like my boyfriend's mom. He'll always be like, you know, like when I was your age, I already had like Joe and his sister or whatever. I'm like, yeah. I'm God, like it's scary thought, but I do think scary. it's good that things have evolved where hopefully at least I think people still, I went to university of Alabama. So like half my sorority pledge class is married with like a child, but I do think things are happening later now, which yeah. is reassuring in a sense, but also I feel like everyone feels like they have this timeline. Do you have any thoughts on this like metaphorical timeline? It's so stupid. I remember when I was 25, I dated someone who's so sweet, but I dated them because I was like, I have to, I have to date this person. I have to get married. I have to do this and I have to do that. Like if you're 25 and you're thinking about that, then you are wasting your life um, I don't think anyone needs to start thinking about any timeline really until they're like 30 plus. And even then, like, I, I'm not saying this to like scare anyone who's that, that age, because even then, like people have babies at 42, 
42. Yeah. It's so, crazy. And science makes a lot of things possible now too. Exactly. If you're really that scared, invest in freezing your eggs and then take a deep breath because everything will be fine. So what are you looking forward to most in your thirties then besides getting married? <laughs> yes, definitely getting married. I think starting a family, which is a crazy thing to say out loud. Um, you know, I've always been very independent and like to have this little person depending on me is going to be wild. Um, and I think just like transitions that the podcast makes and takes based on my own life is going to be something that's really interesting and, um, hopefully having more and more events and mixers and, um, live podcasts and just seeing where it all goes. The child thing is scary. I think just like scary. thinking about the fact I was talking to my friend, I don't know why we were talking about this, but I was like, you go to the hospital, like as one person and you leave with like an extra thing that you're responsible with forever. So wild. <laughs> it's, it's freaky. So looking back at the last like 10 years of your life, what would surprise your younger self most that you've done so far? Ooh, um, such a great question. In terms of surprising myself, I guess being on Good Morning America, because I would be like, what? You're like, what was I talking about? Like, you were never going to be on that show unless you're walking by in the background. Um, But so that, yeah, that was pretty surprising. I like to ask my guests this question just because of the fact that like the word passion is a really big buzzword, I think. So do you think you have to be passionate about your job to be successful in it? I think you definitely do. I think you have to be passionate about anything in your life to be successful at it, whether it's your relationship, your job, um, a drawing that you're doing, like, you know, you should hopefully put passion into, into everything, like even watching a TV show, you know? (laughs) I, that's a great answer. I think it's, it's interesting because we're all struggling or trying to find that thing that makes us passionate. And my boyfriend and I talk about this a lot, but it's like, your passion's not really going to like jump out of the closet and be like, Oh, you're passionate about this. It's like trying things. So did you try a lot of things or what things did you do that you were like, no, this wasn't my passion. And then you kind of like, were able to steer the way that way. I think the, like the screenwriting thing I thought was going to be my passion. It definitely wasn't the social media thing. Thought it was my passion. It wasn't. Um, but I think this podcast thing definitely is, or at least like being able to reach people and help them and pass along things that I've learned. So third time's the charm, I guess. What is your favorite part of your podcast? Is it the conversations or the, any conversations you would direct someone listening to this episode that hasn't listened to your podcast to that were just like really stand out eye-opening for you? Oh, there's so many. I did an episode recently with a guy named Mark Groves and, um, he has an Instagram called create the love. And it was a pretty great episode. Just, I learned a lot personally and professionally from that episode. So I would direct them to that one. Alrighty. I will tell them to check that out. I have a few rapid fire closing questions for you. The first is, would you rather covered in chocolate or fried when it comes to food? Definitely fried. Your favorite fast food? McDonald's. What type of French fry are you? 
a McDonald's French fry oh, for sure. Good, solid. Cookies or cake? Ooh, cookies. Beverage of choice? Diet Coke. Most overrated food trend people pretend to love? That salmon rice thing that's on TikTok. Oh my God, I haven't tried it, but that's a good one. Um, <laughs> favorite restaurant in New York City? Carbone is really good. Favorite type of ice cream? Chocolate chip cookie dough. Solid. And on a more serious note, my last closing question is what advice would you give to the Lindsay that had just graduated from college? I would say don't do anything differently, but don't expect yourself to be um, anywhere until you figured it out. (laughs) All right, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. Where can my listeners find you? Tell us where we can connect with you and listen to your podcast. You can find me at We Met at Acme on Instagram or anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren. This was so fun. Thank you guys so much for listening to my episode with Lindsay. She is just incredible. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to screenshot this episode and share it on social media and tag Lindsay and myself and let us know what resonated. And don't forget to tune in to Lindsay's podcast, We Met at Acme, for dating advice and tons of other conversations. And if you still haven't left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, if you could please take a moment to do that, I would be so, so grateful. And that's all for this week. I'll be back next week with another episode.